Hello, welcome back. Happy 2021. Thanks for tuning in to this first episode of 2021, a light-hearted Ask Me Anything episode. Questions were submitted by friends and family uh, and fans of the show. So I hope you guys enjoy. Perhaps partake as you listen, see how your answers would differ to my answers. Some of the questions are sort of quite heartfelt, quite deep, and others are just a bit quirky and funny. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy. And also, I hope you guys enjoy the new Brain Dump intro. Please let me know what you think. But without further ado, here is the first episode of 2021. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Connor, and you're listening to Brain Dump. In a world where everything is polarised, we explore new perspectives to understand more about ourselves and the world that we live in. So if you're listening to this, you survived the brutal year that was 2020. And I thought, I'd try and start on something a bit lighter this year, given that one, I haven't had the creative energy to actually come up with a podcast. And two, we all wanted to enjoy Christmas. So a nice light start to the year is a classical Ask Me Anything episode. So it could be a good way to start every year. This episode, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Gina. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast, Jeans. So, yeah, Jean is going to be flying these questions out and we're going to be trying answering them together. So, Gina, far away. Okay, so I'll start off with some kind of introductory about you questions. The first one I will ask is, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Okay, so I think it comes back to, I think it was like my second year of university. And I was on the high performance squad for kickboxing. And I was also going through a really, really difficult patch in my life. And Dave Rowland, who was one of my coaches at the time, he just said, trust the process. And I don't know whether it was just what I needed to hear in that moment, but it really made so much sense to me about how there's so much more to life than the end goal and actually it's the things that we learn along the way and all the steps in between that really make the journey worthwhile and so whenever I'm losing my head over something just saying that trust the process really helps me put things into perspective and really just sort of take appreciation for the moment as it unfolds. Mm -hmm. Okay if you could live anywhere where would you choose and why? Oh that's such a tough question. I absolutely love Bristol. I cannot deny Bristol is incredible. It's really green and it has really, really cool, quirky places to go and visit. But I think I would want to live abroad at some point. I've heard really good things about Melbourne, but I've never, I've never been to um, Australia. I'd love to live in Canada. Canada would be really cool. Yeah. And I could live in Canada. Yeah, you've got Canadian citizenship. Half Canadian, aren't you, Jeans? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd probably say Canada just for the sake of it, really, because why not? I think you'd like Canada. Okay, we'll get to Canada then. <laughs> You're hosting your dream dinner party and can invite anyone dead or alive, but it has to be a six-person limit as per COVID regulation. Who would you invite? Uh, so definitely Marcus Aurelius, uh, after reading his meditations book and just seeing the mind of a Roman emperor in his writings just was incredible. 
And I'd love to know a lot more about Stoicism from the man himself. So Marcus Aurelius, for sure. Mm -hmm. We actually watched a documentary on Robin Williams the other day. And I used to love Robin Williams. And I thought his his death was so, so sad. So I'd love to bring him back because I think he'd also be hilarious mm -hmm. and a really good company. David Attenborough, he's got hundreds of stories he's got to be telling. And it would be amazing to share the space with such an incredible man. And then maybe someone like Epictetus. I think that would be amazing. One of the ancient philosophers, or maybe Socrates or someone like that. Batman, got to have Batman. <laughs> he's been a childhood hero of mine for forever. Not sure how many we're on now, but those are my big ones. And then I used to really look up to Johnny Wilkinson. He's been on a bit of a journey with a lot of anxiety and things. So I would love to talk to him about that. And then Buddha, I think. <laughs> I think uh, ever since doing lots of meditation and reading a lot about mm -hmm. a lot of Buddhist parables, I would love to, to meet Buddha. I wonder what Buddha would be like at a dinner party. Just nod and smile a lot, I think. Okay. If you could only eat the same meal for breakfast every day, what would it be? It would involve sourdough, for sure. Probably Bakesmith sourdough in Bristol, because Bakesmith does the best sourdough. Or Pinkman's sourdough. Or Pinkman's. Oh, that's actually that's a tough call. But Pinkman's is pretty good as well. Isn't there a sourdough like a one kilo sourdough? It's an absolute monster, yeah. The sourdough, then because I'm a posh raro, smashed avocado on top of this toasted sourdough. And then I'm really enjoying chopped plum cherry tomatoes with balsamic vinegar and a bit of olive oil and a bit of rocket. I think salt and pepper and golden. I think it's really nice. Okay, linking on from that then, is cereal a soup? Discuss. I'm going to say no. I think soup constitutes a lot more ingredients. I always think soup is multiple ingredients in a liquid format where... It doesn't have to be liquid, though. True, I guess. But in my mind, cereal is like you have your bran or your, your actual cereal and then milk. It's like two ingredients banged into one. It's typically cold as well. And I know you can get cold soups, but I'm going to classify cereal and soup as different things yeah well cereal is like a grain-based thing generally isn't mm. it mm -hmm. well that's what it should be nowadays it's like 100 percent sugar isn't it <laughs> yeah but it's still based around a grain isn't it and they're all fortified grains but i'd say you don't really get grain-based soup you know you get vegetable-based soup mm. i think Soup is vegetable-based, generally. Unless it's, like, stock. But it, it's never grain-based. So mm -hmm. I would say no, cereal is not a soup. <laughs> Gina has decreed. If you could have any animal scaled up to the size of a horse, what would it be and why? I want to go insect, because I think insects, you would never see an insect that big. So I think I'd go an ant, because I think... Being able to lift 20 times its body weight when an ant's the size of a horse could just be incredible. And it could scale buildings. That'd be really cool. And I'd obviously have some kind of 
saddle to ride my ant. Not very cuddly, though. So, yeah, I'm going to go ant, I think. What about you? Yeah, I'd say maybe insect-based, just because insects are really beautiful and people don't really appreciate it because of their size. But it would be quite terrifying having an insect the size of a horse. But I do think maybe something that produced something that could be valuable to us, like spider's web. That's a really strong natural material that we could use if something was horse-sized. Because mm-hmm. it would be a lot stronger, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's some mad facts about spider silk. It's something like stronger than steel cables if it was mm-hmm. the same relative size. Yeah, pretty cool. And they use it for sutures in mm-hmm. um, some medical sphere. I read in some papers some time ago. Don't quote <laughs> me on that. <laughs> yeah, that would be quite cool. Something it could be used for. But yeah, I think insects, something that isn't already that size, that is underappreciated. If you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? I'd have everyone's empathy traits dialed up a notch. Mm -hmm. I think if there was more understanding for other people's lives and experiences and all the baggage that they're holding, I think people would have a lot more understanding for each other and I think it would just make the world care a lot more. Yeah, because I think we're so quick to judge so quick to label people that if we just took the time to try and see things from their perspective or put ourselves in their shoes I'd hope that it would change society for the better. Yeah I agree on the empathy thing. I think on the happiest societies Scandinavian countries and I know I think Den I think Denmark has one of the highest happiness ratings. I don't know whether that's changed now or if it was some other measure, but they have empathy training at school as part of the curriculum. If you couldn't dial up empathy in individual people, I think changing the way that empathy is learned in a structured mm-hmm. way would be cool. Mm-hmm. Massively, because I think that would change your attitude towards the planet. It would change your attitudes towards other people. It would reduce greed. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good change that would impact a lot of things. Would you rather have the voice of Kermit the Frog or shit yourself randomly once a week? Any would you rather question is always a curveball. I'm going to say Kermit the Frog voice. I think. The anticipation of knowing that I could shit myself at any point would just, the anxiety would be ridiculous. And I think I can think of so many scenarios in which shitting myself would just be the worst possible thing. Yeah, but you could control for it. You could prepare for it. I think it wouldn't affect that much if you could prepare you know you could wear nappies you couldn't like go to a job interview and not sound like Kermit the Frog it would limit you it would affect all of your social interactions every single one Mm -hmm. I think I would much rather shit myself randomly once a week (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I don't know I still think you would accept it and I think like there are people who have 
throat surgery and then their voices permanently changed but it is one of the first things that you notice about those people isn't it which you can't help it's a really easy trait to notice and the kermit the frog is a very recognizable <laughs> voice you know it's not just a different sound it's kermit the frog i would take unpredictability over permanent change i think okay I'm going to still stick with my Kermit the Frog voice, I'll be honest. Okay. Do you think people have a responsibility to be in good shape at some point in their lives? No. I think it is your responsibility to look after yourself and be in good shape if you want to be. But equally, there's no expectation to be in good shape. And I don't think being in good shape is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. I mean... I think you'd want to be in good enough shape so that your quality of life is to a standard that doesn't impact your well-being. For example, I think you'd want to be in good enough shape to pick up your children because if you couldn't do that, I think that'd be quite a heartbreaking thing and I think you'd be really missing out on life. But if you have children. If if you have children, of course, you know. Otherwise it can just be a dog. <laughs> Equally as good to be fair. If not, but there's a whole nother podcast that. <laughs> but whether or not you should hit your maximal potential, I really don't think that's necessary. I think it's incredibly hard and it requires you to dedicate pretty much all of your time to achieving that. That knowing your maximal teaches you so much about yourself. But there's more to life. I think there's other things that you can gain from and there are other people doing that for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that perhaps the responsibility comes down to us as one species. You know, as a species, do we have a responsibility to test out what the kind of best of our genetic pool looks like? Who are our best athletes? Like, how can people push themselves in different directions because I think if you're talking physical fitness I think there's enough of us to test out to test that out as a species and find out what's what we're capable of Mm -hmm. in individuals but whether that whether that responsibility comes down to one person or every person I mean you might find that you're maximal or is the amount of effort that you're willing to commit to that, which might not be very much, in which case you've ticked the box. But I think as long as you're looking after yourself to a point that you're not a detriment to other people. Because also things like drugs and technology and tools come into play. It's like, well, do you have a responsibility to test out your potential with the aid of human created tools ultimately that's like an extension of your maximal yeah of us like that's our ability to create and use tools is what makes us unique as a species and i don't know whether that responsibility comes like using performance enhancing drugs do we have a responsibility to see just how good somebody can get Mm. under the influence of those things or not i don't know it could be interesting to see 100 mm, percent. i would i would push back on that i would say but then it, it's not just you then is it it's you plus performance enhancing drugs i think for me 
a lot of the reason why I train and push myself as hard as I do is to see what I'm capable of on my own and off my own back and off my own effort. But I don't think that necessarily applies to anyone else. And I don't think people feel they should be obligated to it. I think there's a lot to be gained, but I don't think it's any, any one person's responsibility. No, I don't think it's a responsibility. I think it's more just a curiosity mm-hmm. find, to find out. I don't think there's no risk of not doing it. So I think the responsibility element doesn't really come into it because it's your responsibility comes, you know, because there's a cost for not fulfilling that. There's a personal cost, but I don't think the cost is great enough to make it a responsibility, I think. I also think you miss out on a lot of other things if you pour all your eggs into one basket. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is it inevitable that humans will go back to a more wild existence? No. I think now that we have technologies like the internet, that it'll be inevitable that we literally can't go back. I think the more we integrate with technology, that will become almost dependent on it. I was reading some paper that was saying that actually a lot of key skills like a mental arithmetic are actually declining in society because of our dependence on calculators. I think a more wild, holistic way of living might be more beneficial for us, maybe in a more tribal setting more community based and maybe eating more local food being a more active lifestyle we have to have more labor to to gain our food or whatever but i i I don't think it's inevitable i think quite the opposite i think more likely to see us fuse with technology and have augmentation or leave this planet than get any closer to a, a wilder existence What do you think? I think that it depends how you define primitive. I think primitive can be social. It can be tribal and depending on local produce or local businesses or connecting with people in your kind of direct circles. I think that's that has actually happened more for a pandemic and whether that's more likely to happen with climate change when disasters are more likely to happen extreme weather event you know, like there's shortages of resources and we're running out of renewable energy i mean i know that isn't in the near future but there's going to be a lot of pressure on us in terms of our environment so whether we revert back to kind of primitive ways of depending on your your tribe i feel like that is in some ways inevitable because we are going to be more isolated in a lot of ways and there's going to be a lot of pressure and competition between communities. But I don't know, in terms of technology, I just feel like it's it's advancing at a rate that we can't even really control. So unless that kind of increases at a rate where it collapses, I feel like that will that will remain as long as there's humans around to kind of operate unless obviously we get to the point where it becomes self-sufficient i guess that's not as far as far off as i think it might be it it really isn't listening to a lot of sam harris's podcasts and 
super intelligence by I think it's Nick Bostrom. It's pretty terrifying what the consequences could be if we don't keep a cap on mm-hmm. those sorts of technologies. So some questions then that are related to the pandemic. Okay. Are there any habits that you have established in this last year that will last beyond this year? So I've really, really got into chess. Watching Queen's Gambit, like so many other people, really fueled a passion for chess. I used to play chess at college and school a lot, but hadn't played in years and then watched Queen's Gambit. And now I'm on it every single day with various friends on chess.com. I find it fascinating being able to see the way someone thinks on a chessboard on my phone. I feel kind of connected with them across the country through my phone in a weird kind of way. And it's a lot of fun. And it's something nice to try and master, or at least try and get better at. Recently, a lot of yoga. I feel like it's really combined that sort of mindfulness and physical movement that I've really craved. Still holding a a knee injury at the moment, so not being able to do quite as much training as I want to, but yoga has been a really good mediator for that. Uh, Of course, meditation. I think uh, lockdown has only made me lean on that harder. But yeah, lots of walks. I've appreciated nature a lot more, I think, because I realise it's such a much more of a lifeline. But yeah, those are the main ones. But I think chess is probably... More, more of the unique one that I've picked up this last year. How about yourself? I think kind of taking a bit more control of my day's structure, I guess. Just kind of dictating that structure myself more than I did before. I think you kind of learn that your time is your time. And if you do what you want with it, it can be really freeing in some ways. But yeah, I think FaceTiming my friends, I would never do that because I would always see them or I would know I would be able to see them soon. And I think not being able to see them means I've FaceTimed them more and that's been a really nice thing. Especially as you and the girls are really, really tight. Mm -hmm. And I think it's quite evident how in hard times you've turned to them for that connection. It's just been a nice regular way to kind of connect with people that are far away and we have agreed we'll continue to do it. So it's not, It's just a nice habit, I think, to get into. Engaging more with local nature, I think, as well. I've travelled a lot with my family. A lot of them are wildlife hotspots, but I think it's been really nice to remind myself of how much is just around the corner or in the park or on the downs or it's just nice to connect with that local wildlife Mm -hmm. yeah definitely particularly the first lockdown we really got into locating and listening to a bird song that i'd never appreciated before although we can only tell very common birds apart it does give you a much more of an appreciation for you know local bird life so what cultural changes do you think have come about because of this pandemic so what you you know mentioned just now about connecting with people through video calls and things i think that's 
only been highlighted how important connection with other people is to our well-being so there's definitely going to be a lean towards reaching out to people a bit more i hope um i do think there's going to be a lot more anxiety i feel like there's a kind of animosity in the air since social distancing interacting with strangers feels so much more awkward than it's ever felt before and i don't know whether that's just because we're in the pandemic or maybe that'll be a lasting impact of people second guessing each other's behaviors and i think that's a very strange dynamic a bit untrusting i think Mm, certainly so uh, as for like the cultural change of that i mean i've noticed at work when we first started working from home different voices became more not domineering but the majority so there'd be much more quiet individuals in the office who when they're a video call at home felt more comfortable to speak up and maybe the the more dominant voices in in the office shied away when they're on video and as a result that changed the company culture quite a lot so i do wonder what the impact of that will be in society when we are living a more virtual world a more virtual society couldn't possibly tell you (laughs) what that will entail but i can certainly imagine it will have a lot of dramatic changes so at what age would this pandemic have affected you the most probably about five or six five six seven eight maybe (laughs) i feel like those sorts of years are so important for navigating social circles you're interacting with other kids you're learning how social dynamics work for the first time and although schools have sort of flip-flopped between whether or not they can be open closed but i can imagine being a a child it being very confusing that you're told not to go near people to wear a mask all the time and i think that's gonna have some sort of knock-on effect whether it means that these children then turn into adults with maybe more social anxiety i don't know perhaps any some other kind of negative effect i think that age may have been effective but then i think look back to my own childhood and i lived in the countryside so i spent a lot of time on my own playing out in the garden so it might not have affected me at all Mm. yeah i guess it's about context i guess and lifestyle and what your norm sort of looks like but what about you i don't know i feel like around the teenagers would be a big one i think if you think of one of the biggest impacts being social stuff and i think of when in my life i've depended on social stuff the most for development where that would have had the biggest impact if it had been kind of removed or restricted I would say when you're a teenager and you're at school and you're trying to learn where your place is who you're friends with what you value in people who you want to spend time around who likes who I think that's a really important time for establishing where you want to place yourself and what what is important to you 
and establishing friendships well for me establishing friendships at that stage was really I mean I've got lifelong friends from that point in my life so I feel like that would probably be where it affected me the most and and like you said I think we had very different teenage years and so the uh, context of what life you're living is very important and how do you feel that stopping grassroots sports has affected mental health i guess it can only be a negative thing i think sport is such a important place for connecting people it's a big network of people who all have a common interest and so there's a lot of social connection there it's really good for people's physical health as as much as their mental health so i think a reduction in grassroots sports is going to have consequences going forward. I think it might mean that sport becomes much more of a privileged thing. I mean, it's already a pretty privileged thing as it is. But if you're removing grassroots sports, then I think it only makes it more of an elitism. So, yeah, I think it could be quite detrimental. Okay, so a couple of kind of final questions that are podcast related. Okay. Who was your first guest on your podcast and why? So it was Matt Carey, who is a windsurfer and actually windsurfs for Malta. So fingers crossed. Is it Malta? Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully going to be in the next Olympics. And we first met on the High Performance Squad at university. So, you know, lots of elite athletes from different sports. And he was really, really easygoing guy, really, really friendly, incredibly committed to windsurfing. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great opportunity to meet someone who's super hardworking in a very unique sport. And he had a very open-minded sort of relaxed vibe to him that I really really resonated with so I think one I felt safe to be vulnerable and get him on a podcast which is pretty intimidating to ask someone to join you on a podcast especially when you're not sure how it's going to turn out and I knew that he'd be really cool with that I knew he'd be really interesting he is a really good way of thinking when it comes to training and general life philosophy like he's an absolute animal at um, triathlons and I think he does Ironmans and things like that um so yeah I just thought he'd be really cool but yeah basically a combination of you know I knew him he was a good friend of mine and incredibly talented person and what have you learned about yourself since starting the podcast I put a lot of pressure on myself one thing I've really noticed is there's no one really cracking a whip for me to get these episodes out here, but I feel compelled to get them out. And sometimes I think the pressure I put on myself is a bit too much when I realize this is meant to be fun. And it's hard work. I need to apply a lot more patience to myself because it's not easy at the best of times i found that actually i find it quite intimidating to 
ask people to come on the podcast with me. I think it's a it's a very intimate situation that you find yourself with when you're interviewing someone. But I've also realized that I've made some of the greatest connections with people through podcasting. I think that's partly why I've interviewed a lot of my family to be able to connect with them in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise done before. And I've made some of the best friends, like Gemma Turner. We play chess with each other every single day. We voice note with each other every single day ever since the podcast. Really grateful for that. So it's definitely been a bit of a learning curve. And I think I'm fairly committed at it, despite mm-hmm. the quality <laughs> wavering here and there. But I think the way I like to see it is it's all a bit of a learning curve. It's all a bit of a an experiment. And everyone's here for the journey. How many rounds would you last in a fight with Anthony Joshua? Uh, I think it would depend on how fast I could run for the whole rounds. Um, I would hope that because he's so much bigger than me that he'd be a bit slower, that I don't believe that for a second because he spends his entire life training. So I'm going to go with two rounds. I'm going to give myself (laughs) two rounds. (laughs) Okay. And if you were Luke, would you have struck the emperor down as requested? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would lop his head off and then be the ultimate Sith Lord. Join the dark side and reign supreme. What would you rather? Have to stare at your parents fully naked for five minutes or they stare at you naked for five minutes? Not ideal for anyone in these situations. I'm going to say me naked because one, my parents have always seen me naked. Two, their eyesight is a lot worse than mine and I would stand very far away. That would mitigate all... And I'd also just run around loads. And two, my parents aren't together, so I think it would be really bad for them to see each other naked. So I'm going to spare them the pain (laughs) and endure it myself. Fair answer. Describe your ultimate cheat meal. (laughs) Uh, okay, so I actually almost had my ultimate cheat day on my birthday. I got coronavirus over lockdown on my birthday, so I actually spent my birthday on my own. And I think everyone felt really mm-hmm. bad for me, so everyone sent me food, like everyone. I got a delivery from Pinkman's in Bristol, which is just the most incredible like pastry bakery place. And pastries are an absolute weakness of mine. So almond croissants, homemade donuts. I had like a honeycomb donut, which was incredible. I had donut yum 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 things. Yum nuts from my mate Jack was incredible. Uh, I probably put on top of that Bosco pizza. They have some of the just most incredible pizza. Like we've had pizza all over and Bosco still comes out on top. I just get all my favourite foods in I there. feel like um, it would be Italian. It depends, because cheat meal is like something that you shouldn't have, usually. So I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Or is a cheat meal just something that you just really, really like? I'd say mine would probably be Italian-themed, though. So for me, a cheat meal is naughty foods and just loads of it. So it would have, like, my favourite savory foods plus noise mm. on top so yum nuts 
pizza, pasta. Pasta. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Okay. If you were a chess piece, what would you be? Oh. I think I'd love to be a knight, but I'm just not cool enough to be a knight. I think um, a pawn, because it's reliable. Nah, I, I think you're a bishop. One track mind sometimes. Sacrificial. Yeah, and I can get in the way mm. of myself. Like, bishops get trapped pretty easily by other pieces. So I can stumble over myself and overthink things and put hurdles in my own way. So, yeah, I'll be a bishop. <laughs> I'll take that. What I do you think you'd know. be? I think you could assign aspects of your personality to any chess piece, I guess. But I don't mm -hmm. know. What do you think I would be? You're incredibly intuitive and quite a complex person. So I think you could be a knight. You know, very dynamic, unique in the way that you can <laughs> jump and have a very strange movement pattern in an L shape. What was the biggest thing that you learned in 2020? That we create most of our own problems. Mm -hmm. I think, I think I can get fixated on things that cause me a lot of suffering when acceptance is really at the root of getting through a lot of my issues. Yeah. What about you? I would say how much I get from socialising with people. I guess everyone's kind of come to that conclusion, but I think it, I think I really realised just how much connection is vital to well-being. I think that that really struck me. It's not just like a enjoyment, but it's important for people's overall well-being. And, and I think really as much as, you know, you can do exercise and you can eat nice food or whatever, like doing it with people and seeing people is one of the most important things to me. I think I realised mm -hmm. how other things lose a lot of importance without it. Yeah, it's something that Brene Brown always says, isn't she? She always goes on about how connection is at the heart of everything we do. And I think that is true. I completely agree. I think, like, being disconnected or fearing isolation is definitely, definitely drives a lot of behaviour. It's really easy to understand behaviour, I think, when you see it in the context of connection. Mm. I think connection, trust, and safety form the foundation of a lot of relationships. And a lot of that all stems from vulnerability, which is what Brene Brown always goes on about, how you can't really have connection without vulnerability and you can't have trust without vulnerability. And I guess safety is then looking after your vulnerability. Um, I think even as a massive introvert, I think I've, as a result, I found lockdown probably a bit easier than a lot of extroverts. But I've still really struggled without connection. Name a time when you can stop laughing. <laughs> um, for the listeners out there, I am possibly one of the most ticklish human beings in the entire world, and Gina is sadistic with her tickling. So, yeah, there have been a number of times where I thought I'm going to die of laughter because you won't stop tickling me. So, any given night that I might be at the mercy of your tickling. Name a time when you couldn't stop laughing. Somebody was making you laugh. So our good friends, Dan and Gemma, we've had a few nights where we've just, we've just chilled, really, and 
I had some of the biggest giggles ever. What do you think about working from home? Uh, I quite enjoy it. I think what I really struggle with is the transition from work to home life. I uh, really need to break that down. I don't think it helps that we live in a really small apartment, so we live where we work, where if we had a different room to be able to do that, it might help compartmentalise it a bit. But I do generally quite like working from home. I feel like not having a commute gives me so much more time to podcast, edit, train, whatever. But I do miss my colleagues quite a lot and that social interaction there. Mm. And I'm definitely half as creative. I'm so tired of video calls. But on the whole, if it in a hybrid kind of working style, I think I could, I could dig that. Well, how about yourself? I've liked it. I think it's it's nice being able to do work with all your comfort, but not being in the office, not having kind of that the small social interactions around the printer or coffee machine, and like you say, not having the compartmentalization of I go here and I do this work and then I come home and that's completely chill time. I did really enjoy walking in or cycling in the mornings. That was nice, nice to start off the day that way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, there's pros and cons. I think having a mix will be best for people in the long run. What are the best documentaries that you've watched this year? Oh, so many documentaries. The Great Hack, Social Dilemma. I watched a really good one on Trump, The Bleeding Edge. BBC Panorama one on um, the Australian bushfires was really good. At Perfect Planet, any any wildlife documentary with David in it, absolute winner. He smashed them out this year. It really has, really, really has. 13th. Oh yeah, that was good. Uh, I also really enjoyed the Explained series. The whole Explained series on sex, coronavirus, and then there's also just like a general Explained series that's been really, really enlightening on lots of different topics. They're quite simplistic but yeah definitely but they do give you a bit bite-sized nugget of interesting yeah, content it's definitely a good way to kind of fire up curiosity mm. in certain things as well who would you want to take on a space exploration with you two weeks close quarters nobody else except you and then maximum four people definitely you i think the fact that we've survived five years together university degree and coronavirus and then it's an absolute no-brainer it's got to be Dan Gemma <laughs> like we do everything together yeah I guess it's if they're out of people that you know but if you could take anyone in the world probably still them to be fair I think um even if I brought like a NASA scientist who could be quite helpful in a space exploration oh I've watched enough documentaries I'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> If you could only eat the same meal for breakfast every day, what would you be? What would it, what would it be? be? I think I'd want it to be roughly healthy. I don't actually normally eat breakfast, if I'm honest. Breakfast food, though. I really love sourdough bread, like, and Bristol's got a high calibre of bakeries, so some Bristol sourdough. And then smashed avocado, because avocado is amazing, a bit of a superfood. And then probably chopped cherry plum tomatoes, a bit of balsamic vinegar and olive oil. And maybe some rocket, salt and pepper. Sorted. Simple, easy, tastes delicious. 
very nice. What would you have? Probably something similar, I think. Yeah, you can't really go wrong. But I think having the same meal every day, just it could ruin anything. So I think whatever you choose would always end up... A bit doomed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. What is your biggest fear? Oh, that's so difficult. Probably my mental health regressing to where it was a few years ago. I think that was some of the hardest, darkest places I've ever been. And I think that all stems from not really being connected with myself and others. So maybe having that connection severed, being completely lonely and disconnected from myself. Yeah, what what about you? I don't know. I guess similar having no one that cares about you, I think that's I mean that's must be a common fear for most people, I think. But I definitely am I'm a bit traumatized by injections and needles and stuff. Never used to be, but it just makes me feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. In terms of, I'm not. I don't really mind spiders now, because of your tarantulas. No, that's true. But yeah, I don't like deep water. Deep dark water makes me feel all kinds of mm. vulnerable and uncomfortable. But I can tolerate it. Just I'm not like the strongest of swimmers. Yeah, so I think that just is just not nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, who is your hero? I don't think I really have any heroes, if I'm completely honest. I think I used to have a few heroes and then I was disappointed by them. Uh, and I think no one should really be put on a pedestal that much to... Mm-hmm. I think everyone's flawed in different ways. And they'd be kidding you not to be, I think. Um, so yeah, I don't... Maybe I'm just bit pessimistic but i don't really have any heroes so unfortunately i don't think i can answer that one yeah i agree i think having a hero hero or inspiration i don't know i think inspiration yes but hero is kind of idolizing and isn't always helpful Mm, i agree what motivates you to continue learning to, to continue growing to continue developing I think that motivates me. I think it used to be trying to achieve things and all of that, but I realised that you can achieve things without growing. So for me, I, I want to be in a place where I'm always learning, always, yeah, in that sense, I think. Just being better than I was yesterday, and better is really hard to define, but maybe just a better person, I guess. How about you? I don't know. I think doing a good job motivates me just simply. I don't know, learning from people. I think learning about people and from people, understanding what what somebody's life experience, how that is valuable to them and how I can learn from that. I think that motivates me. I think that's why I'm more extroverted because I kind of I find learning from people one of the most interesting ways mm. of learning. I'd agree with that. Like since getting my new job as a learning development advisor, I feel like you can. I mean, I've always thought you can learn something from anyone, but that connection with other people is where 
the real learning and that perspective change from hearing about their experiences and how they interpret the world is so valuable, I think. So, yeah, I completely agree with you, yeah. If you had to give up chess or coffee over lockdown, what would you choose? That is a brutal question, especially because I'm addicted to coffee and it's one of my greatest luxuries in life. But chess has really got me through lockdown recently like it's really helped me expand my mind it's helped me connect with my friends so i think currently it it would be to get rid of coffee which is almost blasphemous in my opinion Mm -hmm. i think it would be get rid of chess for me (laughs) yeah coffee gets me (laughs) gets me going in the morning There you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Something different, a little bit of fun. Uh, And I'm sure we'll have plenty more episodes to come over the course of the year. I'm trying to get as many out as I can. Big thank you to the wonderful Gina for helping me out answering the questions and just being generally awesome as she always is. In the meantime, take care. Thanks for tuning in and share us your answers, all your favourite questions. All the best. Till next time. Bye.